Awesome, awesome, awesome. Good morning, Identity Church. I hope everybody has had a great week. I know I have. You know, every single week, the Lord just keeps revealing more and more to me about the goodness of God and about how He has done His will in the earth. You know, it's kind of funny is that God's will in the earth came in Jesus. You know that this was the first time that God's will had actually been propagated with man. I'm going to say that again. Do you know that when Jesus came to the earth, it was the first time that there had actually been a peace treaty? We talked about that last week. I I taught last week. If you didn't hear it, please go back and listen to it because I think that it's really important. The war is over. In fact, it actually says in Matthew, it said, or I'm sorry, yes, in Luke, it says that the, that the angels came to the shepherds in the field. And what did they say? They said, glory to God in the highest. It said, peace on earth and goodwill towards men. And we went through that and showed that God created a peace treaty with man. That man and God, ever since Adam's fall, had never gotten along. I mean, we even see in Genesis where God repented of even making man. He was like, man, there is evil in their hearts continually. That means that he had basically felt like that man, the people he had created, they were warring against each other. You know, people have asked me this before. And I'll ask you this question. Do you think people are inherently good? I don't see any hands going up, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take... I've got one. I've got two. I've got news for you. Go read the Bible. <laughs> Go look at, at the way things have been propagated throughout history. People are out for themselves. And I mean... I, I got news for you. There, there are good aspects of people. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that people are just evil all the time. But my point is, is that we found that there are people who are really good Christian people. Really up to, I mean, moral people that have had some really bad failings. I mean, you can go and find people that they thought... We would have never seen that person leave their family or, or you know, get on drugs or, or whatever it is that they had a failing in. And you start going, what is the problem with these people? And it's called the fall. You know, when Adam and Eve fell, it separated us from God spiritually. I'm just, I'm showing you what Genesis chapter 1, 2, and 3 is telling us. Because Genesis chapter 1, 2, and 3 gives you an insight into the condition of where Adam came from and where he went to. Do you know that after, after all of that time frame, you know, Cain and Abel, we saw last week that Cain and Abel basically... You had somebody that killed their brother just because God thought that their sacrifice was better. You know, I I think about those things. 
I have known people that at work that were really good, upstanding people. And all of a sudden, somebody that, that they didn't like got some praise. And then you started seeing the claws come out. And you're like, wow, that person never acts that. People go, it was against their character. Well, you know, I think inherently in man, we are all selfish. I mean, it's just, it's a fact. I'm not trying to give you, I'm not trying to, you know, to tell you that, you know, y'all are all are trying to kill me or something. Maybe there's some people, I don't know out here, but... But my, my point is, is that evil is, is propagated through selfishness. You know, self-righteousness is one of those things where we start justifying the things that we do. If I justify what I do and I've hurt someone, was that good or was that bad? Oh, it's bad. See, that's what I want you to understand is that God sent Jesus to this earth as the number one non-selfish thing that any being could ever do. He sent his only begotten son to the earth to die in our place. He was created as a man for the purpose of basically taking our place. How many people would do that with your kids? How many? You would? No, you wouldn't. You would not send your kid to go die for me. No. Yeah, I'm sorry. Maybe I said that wrong. But, but no one is going to send their children to go and die for someone else. Not willingly. You know, I always look at these kind of things. You know, <clears throat> they talk about the greatest generation where all these people went to war. Do you know that when they went back and asked people, why did you go to World War I and why did you go to World War II? They did it for a particular reason. It's because we used to believe that in America, that if America fell, that our families would fall. That was a truth. People went to war because they were afraid that if all this went away, if the Nazis took over, that they would kill and maim and hurt my family. You know, now we're killing what America is. People are coming out and saying, oh, America's been evil. Do you know that that's not my main point behind this, but... Do you know that from a selfish perspective, from the perspective of self, do you know that most people are not going to go and say, hey, I'm going to go to war for someone else? You know, that they actually would have propaganda, if you will, saying, hey, this is to protect your family. You know, you can always tie something that's selfish. And I'm very selfish about my family. I'm going to protect my family because they're a part of me. But you know what? You start tying, my family could be hurt. There could be different problems. I'll take up arms. I'll go to war. Do you know that that is the exact same thing that Satan did to Eve and to Adam? 
is that he came, he came to them and he said, did God say? And, and Eve goes, I don't know. Adam's the one that got talked to. How many people understand that? Adam's the one that got the, the message, right? Adam gave it to Eve secondhand because all that had happened later. So then Satan starts working on them. And you know what's so bad about that is the fact that he, she said, well, I will surely die if I eat this fruit, if I touch this fruit. Well, I, I kind of believe that it'd be kind of like, if you're going to surely die if you touch this water bottle, Michael, Micah. Oh, I touched you. You know, if, if that was something that happened, by the way, I need that water bottle back. Thank you. But if, if Satan threw the fruit at her and she goes, I didn't die. Because that's not what God said to Adam. God said to Adam, if you eat of the fruit, but she said, if I touch the fruit, I will die. Well, guess what? If I touch the fruit and I don't die, you go, well, wait a minute. God's maybe not telling me the right things. Do you see that mistrust, selfishness, was what the first sin was? I mistrust who God is. I mistrust if He's actually good for me, if He's wanting the best things for me. Because I have somebody else telling me that the fruit is good. Do you know that inherently we mistrust everything about lots of people? And that's fine. But I don't want you to mistrust who God is. And that's one of the reasons why the gospel of Jesus Christ, when Jesus was sent to the earth as the peace treaty, that God said that there was no longer enmity between man and God. Do you know that the war was over at that moment? That God said, I'm not holding you to the standard of the law anymore for the Jews. I'm holding you to Jesus. And Jesus, all you have to do is believe in him. Believe in him and he will take on your sins. He will take your punishment. Do you know that in every single thing that Jesus did, he created an opportunity for us to be a part of the family. See, God stopped having war with man and started having family with those who believe. Amen? Amen. I just wanted to hit that from last week because I think it's important for us to know as I'm going into the Word became flesh. In fact, if you turn over to John chapter 1, this is where we're probably going to be is in John chapter 1 today. But the Word became flesh and it dwelt among us. Do you know that, that God had not dwelled with man Ever since Adam, he would come down, he would be a pillar of fire, he'd be a pillar of smoke, but he never dwelt on the earth with man. And this was so shocking to me as I started reading this years and years ago is that God sent his own son to this earth. But he did something even greater than that. There was even more 
just amazing. And we're about to find out what that is. In John chapter 1, verse 1, it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. This, the Word, is Logos. And it actually was coined by a philosopher around 600 B.C. named Hermocletus. I call him Cletus. He's from the backwoods of Georgia. You know, we got to get that Cletus guy out here. He knows how to use the Logos. Do you know that, that Ocletus created an idealism around design and, di- and divine reasoning and plans which are coordinated a changing in a changing universe. Do you know that when this word was being used, it was saying that God himself had created a plan. This Greek word here was to embody that God's plan was being used. That God himself had put something in motion and he was letting us know about it. You know, when you go and you read your word, that's his plan. His word is written down for us to understand who he was and his promises and the things that we should be believing in. And so Ocletus, he kind of brought it back together around 600 B.C., And put it into just one word means this, the divine plan of God. Divine reasoning and plan. So it says, in the beginning was the divine reasoning or plan which coordinates a changing universe. And the word was with God and the word was God. He, in verse 2, it says, he was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him and without him nothing was made that was that I'm sorry, and without him nothing was made that was made. So basically there was nothing, and then God made everything. So he didn't, you know, it's all these people that go, the Big Bang Theory. Not the TV show, you know, with Sheldon and all them. But I'm talking about the actual God himself took nothingness, open space. And he created everything that we see. He set the worlds in motion. He created the stars and the, and the moons and all of the, the physics that we see today. You know, every time we talk about something that is a constant, what's the first thing people think of? The speed of light. We use it all the time. Do you know that in a world that is full of, of variations, we have to have constants. And light is always a constant. And it says, And all things were made through him, and without him nothing was made that was made. In him was life. This word life is zoe. It is to be animated. This is the same idealism of when God mounded up dirt. And the Holy Spirit came upon Adam and he created Adam out of the dirt of the ground. Do you know that Adam himself was created by this Zoe life? It was was breathed into him. His life created by animating by the Holy Spirit. It's awesome. And it says here, in him was life, Zoe, and 
And that was the light of men. And the light shined in darkness and the darkness did not comprehend it. You know, there's a, I believe there's a, a space here between verse 4 and verse 5. I think verse 1 through 4 is talking about all the things God did when He created everything. And then verse 5 is talking about the fall. He's talking about how the fall created a division. It was a light and a darkness. Do you know that most of the people, you know, when, when God had repented of making man and he wanted to destroy everyone, and then all of a sudden he found favor in the eyes of Noah. He saw somebody that had a little bit of light in him. Now, Noah wasn't perfect by any means, by any means. But at least he was looking for the light. He was, he was searching out and, and he was looking for God. Where are you at? Everybody else was looking for, oh, I can go find my, my good time or my good feeling or, or whatever it is. I can go find it elsewhere. But do you know that, that Noah, he was looking for someone or something to provide light. And so God found favor with Noah. So God created a whole plan. Do you know that his whole plan was to put into motion Jesus? You know, when Adam and Eve fell, God turned right around. And he said, he told the serpent, he said, he said, the seed of the woman, women don't have seeds. I'm just going to tell you straight up. If you understand anything about science, men have sperm, women have eggs. It's, that's the way it is. So the seed of a man would have made sense. But that's not what God wanted. God did not want the seed of man to infiltrate into his son. He wanted the woman to be fully Baked in with Jesus through the Holy Spirit to where he no longer had to worry about lines of blood and about sin through the bloodline. And see, this is what I want you to understand is that the Word was made flesh. The very Word that created everything was made flesh. Do you know that the very creative part of God he sent to the earth? I want to say that again because I think that that may have missed some folks. Do you know that what John is trying to say here is that God, when he said, I'm going to send something, I'm not just going to send a part of me. I'm not just going to send my son. I'm going to send the part of me that created the heavens and the earth because I wanted authority to be in the earth. I wanted Jesus to be able to come to the earth and to be able to speak the words of God. To be able to change things by his words. You know, Jesus never come with a sword. Jesus did, you know, he wasn't Jesus Rambo. And he had a big gun and he's out there going, I'm going to mow down all the, all the Romans and we're going to take over. Do you know that that's what they wanted him to do? The Jews saw him and said, I mean, even the, the, the high priests 
said, hey, are you come as the Messiah to take over and to wipe out the Romans? Do you know, Jesus told him, no, I came to do my father's business. Now, I'm going to tell you, I'm going to go back a little bit to what I said last week, because if you go and read the book of the Maccabees, which, I, by the way, I suggest you go and read some of those historical books like the Maccabees, because it gives you an insight into what Israel was during that dead period. You know, between Malachi and John the Baptist, there was 400 years that God didn't talk to them, didn't send a prophet, didn't do anything. And you know what? They were out there by themselves because God had already gotten so fed up. Go back. I, I gave everybody kind of a, a, I gave everybody homework. Did anybody go and, and read Jeremiah chapter 1, 2, and 3? No? Okay, I did again. So, but do you know that in Jeremiah chapter 2, God talked about divorcing Israel. This was right before the Babylonian occupation. And you know, Jeremiah was sent to go tell him, hey, this, there's some bad stuff that's about to happen. You're about to go into captivity, into Babylon. I haven't completely thrown you away, but I no longer am married to you the way I once was. You're no longer my people the way that you once were. Go read Jeremiah chapter 2. It's pretty, it's, pretty, it's pretty damning for them. And he put into to perspective that there is going to be a time where I don't speak to you. And that happened after Malachi. You know, when we look at the totality of what God was trying to do, Israel was created for one purpose. What was the purpose? To create Jesus. Abraham found favor in the eyes of God. He knew that he would teach his children and that his children would learn. That's the reason why Israel was created, was so that Jesus would come through and that he would have a bloodline. He created the law so that the law would be able to contain Israel. Do you know the, the thing that most kind of throws me off when I think about Israel is they saw miracle after miracle after miracle after miracle. They were saved once and again and once and again, and they still followed after their own selfish ambitions. How many people have seen a pillar of fire come down? Nobody. You know that in, in this perspective, Jesus came down and he was doing miracles. You know, Matthew chapter 8 says that he went around healing all that were sick and oppressed by the devil. They were, I mean, you go back and you read the whole New Testament, read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. They're upset about it. Why are they upset about it? It's because of their own selfish ambition. If this is truly the Messiah, I mean, what did Herod do? The wise men came in. They told Herod that Jesus had been born or that the, that the Son of God had been born, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. 
And what did Herod do? He went and he killed every child from birth to three years old. There was no celebration. The only celebration you had was when the, was when the angels came down to the shepherds and they said, Glory to God in the highest. Peace and goodwill towards men. The only people that was celebrating was the blue collar guy. Because all the other people up here that was making all the money off the religious pieces of this, they were like, we don't want God. We don't want Jesus. We don't want the Messiah. We don't want nothing. We'll kill the Messiah if we can. Do you know that this is the thing? When God sent Jesus to this earth, he didn't send him on a on a cloud of of you know, on a cloud and everything was perfect. He sent his own creative part of him that if Jesus had fallen to Satan, if he had if he had been killed, if he had whatever it was, he said, I'm taking the risk. The, the only creative part of myself, my word, went forth and it became flesh. And it dwelt among all of us. And you know what? He's spoken to he's spoken to the disciples' lives. He continues through his own word to speak into our lives. You know, the word is like a written code. You know, I think it's so funny that we look at DNA and we got all these scientists that go out there and look at DNA, but really it's computer code. Jesus himself wrote the very fibers of our being. In fact, he did it in such a way to where, to where we all, every living creature has the same DNA encoding. Do you know how much DNA we've got together between us and a banana? 60%. Do you know how much we got between us and a sheep? 98%. You know how much we have between a, a chimpanzee? It's 98%. Do you know that God created our very fibers out of the spoken word? It was like what we do today where we have computer code. My son's taken coding in school and he wants to go into computer science. I do cybersecurity for a living. I look at code and everything. And for every single thing that was written in code... You're expecting an outcome. Well, you know what? Jesus came to write on your heart to produce an outcome. Your hearts are being prepared when you hear his word. Your hearts are being prepared when you go into the world and you see the word being acted out. You know that Jesus himself has a place in your heart to rewrite your mental code, to rewrite your physical code. God himself sent his own creative words to change the world. In John chapter 1 verse 6 it says, And there was a man sent from God whose name was John, talking about John the Baptist. And this man came for a witness to bear witness of the light and that all through him might believe. He was not the light, talking about John, but was sent to bear witness of the light. That was the true light which was given light to every man coming into the world. Okay, I put a thing down here at the bottom. Can everybody see my little 
green and blue and red. Do you know that this is an actual picture that, that scientists have taken of a sperm fertilizing an egg? It lights up. In fact, they don't truly know why it lights up. But I'll tell you, right here, verse 9 tells us exactly why it lights up. Do you know that when God put the encoding into Adam for to be the light of the world, he set into motion every single person, every single thing that we have on this earth, and it still lights every single man. Do you see that? In verse 9 it says, That was the true light which was given light to every man coming into the world. We all were created by this supernatural light of the Holy Spirit that when Jesus spoke into Adam, it just continues more and more and more. And we see that we see this that every single time somebody is born, there's the light of the world. It's being put into people every single time, every single time. Millions and billions and billions and billions. And we just keep seeing people being produced by the light that came into this world. You know, Jesus then came into this world to do other things. In verse 10, it says, And he was in the world, and the world was made through him, and the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own did not receive him. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God to those who believed in his name. What did he come to do? He came to create a family. You know, the the family of God is the people who believe in his name. He is the very power and authority through his word that is written on the inside of us and that Jesus Christ came to rewrite our complete internal code on our heart, our belief system. Do you know that when you believe something, it's written in your heart? That's what holds your heart, your beliefs. You know, Jesus himself came so that he could create a family of believers. We now become the children of God. Verse 13 says, Who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. See, God created Adam. He set into motion every man and woman that is in here. And so we all are benefit benefactors, if you will, of that first time that Adam had the light and life been put into him. But then Adam was separated from God. And so now, that mistrust, that selfishness, all comes down to this one thing. If you believe in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, now you are brought into the family. And the Word of God is being written on your heart. You know, I always think about like Romans 10, you know, um, I'm sorry, uh, Hebrews 11, no, Romans 12, 1 and 2. And when I think about Romans 12, 1 and 2, I think about the things that it says where we renew our minds daily by the Word of God. You know, the Word of God needs to be rewritten and rewritten 
and rewritten on your heart. You know what happens uh, on your own skin? Like I could take a, I could take something and I could scratch into my skin. Well, if I do it real lightly, then now after a couple of days, what happens? My skin completely covers that up. You can't even see it anymore, right? Well, your heart is exactly the same way. <clears throat> I hear the word. It's written on my heart. But if I let that word continue to just not be re-etched in my heart on a daily, on a weekly, on a monthly basis, then what happens is, is that it just grows and it hardens. It grows and it hardens. It grows and it hardens. And you can't even read what was etched on that. You know what happens when you renew your mind your will and your emotions every single day, you get that etch and it just keeps getting deeper and it gets deeper and it gets deeper. And it doesn't matter what comes along. If they cut the whole top of it, it's so deep that you can still read what's written on your heart. Do you know that this is what the Word of God was designed to do is to etch into your heart every single day. You know, when I hear the Word of God, when I... When I continue in the Word of God, I become a disciple. That means I'm disciplined. Well, it hurts to etch into the skin. Oh, well, you know what? A disciple goes, you know what? But it's worth it. You know, it's worth sitting back and going, I'm going to meditate on God's Word. If I meditate on His Word, then I etch into my heart the beliefs of where God wants me to go rather than where my mind, my will, and my emotions want to go. This is, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start shutting us down. We're going to start closing out here. Because I know there's soup. I can start to smell it. It starts to make me hungry now. I'm wanting to... Let's get out of here, guys. But in John chapter 1, verse 14... And it says the word, that logos, the divine reasoning became flesh and dwelt among us and we beheld his glory. This word glory is the word doxa in the Greek and it means dignity, gloriousness and honor to have a good opinion. You know, I, I use a word because honor and pride are synonymous with each other. How many people's had kids and you were proud of something that they did? Or let me ask a question for those that didn't have kids and that they did. Has there ever been a time where you saw a family member or whatever and you were like, man, I'm so proud of them? Yes. Good. I hit them all. Everybody had one. Okay. Do you know that the, that when I, when I have that towards my family, family or I have that towards a child or I have that towards a, a, a spouse, a, a friend, whatever, you know that that's, that's, that's honor, that's pride. I, man, I, I'm really proud of you. You know, you have that moment of nostalgia, you know, I just I feel good about that person. Do you know that this word right here says that, that he became flesh and dwelt among us And we beheld his glory. This is beyond that. This is, I see something and I stand in awe of it. 
Have you ever stood in awe of something? Oh, I've stood in awe many a times. Especially of God and some of the things that He's done. And I've said, there is no other way that that could have been anything other than God. I stood in awe. It was so amazing to me. That is the glory of God. It's beyond just, I'm proud of, I'm proud of my kid. Oh, they hit the, the game winning, you know, hit. I remember Caleb, he played in this little championship game. He hit the ball. And I mean, he was a left-hander and he hit it down third base line, which if you know anything about baseball, that's almost impossible. It means he hit the ball really, really late. But it threw everybody off. They ran around the bases. We won the game. You know that I walked away from that going, man, I'm so proud of him. Do you know that at the end of all that, it was just a hit. But you know that when they saw Jesus, they gloried. They, they believed and saw and felt and knew and they stood in awe of who he was. And it says, and we beheld his glory. We stood in awe of the glory as only of the begotten of the father, full of grace and truth. This word, word grace is charis. I went to Karis Bible College. We were talking about this a while back. You know, the word grace really at, at its foundation just means gift or bounty. It means that God gave Jesus as a gift and he was, he was the gift for a gift. Do you know that when I give a gift... Like, let's just say I gave Kaylee and Micah a gift. And so, so I give them a gift for a gift. It means that I looked at them and saw them as a gift. I gave to them because I saw them as a gift. You're not getting anything else, okay? But... Oh, it's so good. Okay, I'm going to give you something after this, okay? <clears throat> anyway, before I lose everything and the people in here and I also lose all my money because I give them gifts, the gift for a gift meant that God saw his son and said, he is a gift already, but I give him almost like a double gift. I see the... I see the, the, what I want out of people and I think that would be a gift to them. But I also see that it's going to gift me. Remember what we were talking about in Matthew the other day that, you know, it says in Matthew that, that we give and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, shall men give in your bosom with the same measure that you meet shall be measured to you again. Do you know that that is not a money scripture? It's not like, hey, I throw a dollar in and I get a dollar back, which is exactly what that would mean if it was a money scripture, but it's not. It means that I give and it's given back to me. It means like I put 100% into mine and Heather's marriage and I get 100% back. I actually think I get more because she's just so much better. Do you know that all of my gifts 
are because I see a gift. I mean, I'm just looking for ways to be able to bless my wife. I'm looking for ways to be able to bless my kids. I'm looking for ways to be able to bless you because I see the gift. Well, that was how much God saw in you. That you guys were the gift that was in the rough that was waiting for him. And he gave a gift in order to bring you back into the fold and into the family. And it says in John chapter, uh, it says John 1.15, it says, John bore witness of him and cried out, This was he whom I said, who comes after me is preferred before me, for he was before me. Saying that he's preferred of me because he was from the beginning. God himself knew Jesus, worked with Jesus, was Jesus in the beginning. And so John came and made made that as a witness. And in verse 16 it says, Of him fullness we have all received and grace for grace. For the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. I'm going to say this once again. Do you know why we're a whole lot better off in this country? Do you know why we, we have so much more and we're so much more free? It's because of our laws. Do you know that, how many people know you are innocent until proven guilty? Do you know that we're the only, we're, we're one of like four countries in the whole world that believe that and as a law? Do you know that if you went to South America, if they arrest you, you are guilty until you prove your innocence? You know, our freedoms are given to us by our laws. Our laws were created based upon the Ten Commandments. The Ten Commandments were created so that we and God could have relationship outside of Jesus. It doesn't work real well. But with the law and with constraints, we can make people act right. Now, does all people act right? No. I kind of look at it as the Pareto rule. In fact, it's a little bit better than the Pareto rule. Do you all know who the, what the Pareto rule is? It was a rule that was created by a guy named Pareto. His last name was Pareto. And he said that you can get 80% out of people, but you won't get the other 20. And he used it and said that's about the right amount of rule that you got for everything in your life. That 80% of what you do is going to be your best, and then the other 20% is going to be, eh. Do you, know that, do you know that in our own lives, the law was created by Moses for, for Israel to hem them in, to keep them, to keep them safe enough to where Jesus could come out of us? Well, the same thing with us. We go out here and they put you know, speed limits. Well, you know, what keeps me from going 100 miles an hour in a 35? It's because the police will pull me over, right? Well, if you put no speed limit out there, you'd see me. I'd be out there. It'd be 120. And I'm like drifting around people. You know, it'd be bumper cars if they took the laws away. It would also people. I mean, we already know that people would take things. Because they're doing it today. See, 
The law was given by man to make man behave. But see, Jesus came to give grace and truth. And see, if we listen to Jesus, it's just like when they say that, that if you walk by the Spirit, you'll, you'll not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. Well, if we keep writing, having the written Word of God, Jesus Himself, write on our hearts over and over and over, do you know that I don't have to think about the law? I don't think about whether or not I'm going to hurt somebody. Do you know that the commandment that Jesus gave was to love God and love your neighbor? That gets written on my heart every single day. I don't even think to do opposite of that because that's what is written on my heart. And it says here in, um, in verse 18, No one has seen God at any time. The only begotten Son who is in the bosom of the Father, has, He has declared Him. You know, God put a decree out. Glory to God in the highest. Peace on earth and goodwill towards men. Do you know he was trying to put a promise out to the people? In fact, Jesus actually put a promise out to us. In Luke 24, 49, it says, And behold, I send the promise of the Father upon you, but tarry in the city of Jerusalem until... Uh, you be endued with power from on high. You know, the Holy Spirit is with us. You know, in first, um, in Ephesians 1.13, it actually says that we are sealed by the Holy Spirit. It's the same thing as being vacuum packed. You know, my dad, he, he worked for years as, um, you know, he sold hot dogs and, ham, you know, bologna and all, ham and all these other things. And it came in sealable packages, Right. You know, if you ever went to a warehouse, it is nasty. But you know, all that junk that's outside doesn't taint the meat. Why? Because it was sealed. You know that when you accepted Jesus Christ in in, uh, Ephesians chapter 1 verse 13, it actually says that we heard, we believed, and we were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. You know that that means that the world, which is a big cesspool of junk, comes and it rubs on us every single day. And you know what happened? The Holy Spirit sealed our heart to where if we believe in Jesus Christ, that it just we can just be washed. And we are still vacuum packed and perfect on the inside of us. 1 Corinthians 5.17 says that we've become a new creature in Christ Jesus. You know, the promises of God are on us and they're in us through Jesus Christ. You know, now we don't have to wait for the Holy Spirit. He's here with us if we believe in Jesus. When we hear Romans 10, 17 says, the, says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Do you know that this is another one of those scriptures like renew your mind daily this is faith comes by hearing. Well, how many, how many people know that if I turn on the news and I keep hearing, oh, it's bad, it's bad, it's bad, it's bad. Well, you go around and how many people, maybe you do it, maybe you don't. I've actually been guilty of it too. You go around and you want to tell everybody the news. How many people has went, you know, I saw on the news that, you know, Russia's going to drop a nuclear bomb on the Ukraine. 
It's going to cause Armageddon. Do you know that, that it may, and, and if it does, then that's perfectly fine because I'm saved and you know we're going to see a revival, right? We're going to see the rapture of the church and all that. But I'm not going to live like that's, like that's going to be it. Because if I lived like that, I wouldn't have had Kaylee and I wouldn't have had Caleb. You know, I had a guy the other day <coughs> tell me that he wouldn't have kids. You know what? I'm begging for you guys, when y'all are ready, to have kids. Because we need good, godly people in the earth going around and changing people's hearts and minds. You know what? If you are selfish and you're like, I'm just not going to have kids. <clears throat> that's more about you than it is about them. Because they may be the next person that changes a heart, that creates the next revival, that takes a million people into the kingdom. Don't stop. Keep going. So faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. If you continually stay in his word, you'll be a disciple. It'll just be written on your heart over and over and over again. And here's the last one. Ask, receive, and believe. Or ask and believe and receive. Mark 11, 23, 24. You know, 22, he was telling Peter, have faith in God. Because Peter was all excited about a fig tree being dead from the root. And then he told him, he said, Say unto this mountain, Be thou removed and be thou cast in the sea. And if you don't doubt in your heart, whatsoever things that you say when you believe them, then you receive them. So what you have to understand is that I have to have a promise. The grace of God came to give the gift of a promise to us so that we could believe something. And then the next thing is, is I've got to hear it and I've got to stay on it and I've got to praise and worship and get in the presence of God and I've got to see this word being manifest inside of me and then once it's manifested inside of me then now I can speak it I have the authority that Jesus gave me you know if you're walking around going I'm just going to pray for you and I, just, and I pray in the name of Dusty it ain't going to happen guys it's one of the reasons why we say in the name of Jesus. You know, I was making fun a while ago. You know, Elon Musk has $247 billion. Do you think if somebody has, a, has his bank account, has his checks, that they can get some money? Yes. They're going to be able to get something if they've got his, his authority, his checks, his they sign it away. They give, he's going to be, hey, I can get a billion dollars. He won't even know it. And that's how rich the dude is. Well, do you know that I couldn't write Dusty on Elon Musk's check? <clears throat> if I did, the bank would go, yeah, that doesn't look right. You want a billion dollars? No. That's one of the reasons why we sign everything that we say in the name of of Jesus because the authority that is given to me is in his name he gave me the checkbook and I go and I write the check I don't put dusty down there because it's not in me it's in him 
through me that we write that check. And we say, in the name of Jesus, when I pray for you, or in the name of Jesus, when I go and I pray for you, these are the these are the things that we have to understand is that there is authority in his name. See, Jesus didn't just come as the word, but he came as the written word. He came to put that down on that check for you so that you can, so that you can have confidence in what his promise is. Amen? Amen. I want everybody's head bowed and eyes closed. I'm going to ask this again because there may be people out there that have never accepted Jesus Christ. If you say, I don't know if I have the authority in Jesus. I don't know if the word that was made flesh has come and actually been written on my heart. I'm going to ask that you raise your hand for me right now. Everybody is saved here. But, you know, we might have some people on the podcast or or on live stream that says, I don't know who Jesus is. I've never accepted Jesus and I would like to. I'm going to ask everybody to say this prayer with me because if they say this prayer, then they, and they believe it in their heart, then they are a part of the family. So, Father God, everybody say it with me. Father God, I pray to Jesus asking Him to come into my heart. I believe that He is now the Lord of my life. In Jesus' name, I now have the inheritance in the Father. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. You know that that simple prayer hit all the highlights. You have to believe and you have to believe in Jesus' name. You know that in all of this world, there are people all around us that they are lacking And in this Christmas season, I want you to go out and I want you to tell them about the goodness of God. That there is a promise for their life and that they're going to see things come to pass if they put their faith and their trust in Jesus. But they have to get the bad stuff out. You know that when I got saved, I had to get the bad stuff out. I had ADD and dyslexia and I was told that I couldn't do. And you know what? I had to go and renew my mind that I can do all things through Christ Jesus that strengthens me. You know, that became my banner. That was probably the only scripture that I thought about, saw on a daily basis for a long time. And you know, within eight months, I went and I started going to school. I started doing things. God started changing my body. He started changing my mind. He started putting me in a place to where I could receive things that I couldn't receive before. You know that I'd already accepted Jesus. I'd just not accepted his promise. There's so much more. You know, I know people right now that because of the 
of what we've been doing here at Identity Church, I've seen them change. I've seen people change. I've seen people I've seen people do things and change and start believing God in ways that they've never before. You know why? It's because they hear the word and the word is flesh and it dwells in their heart. You can do all things through Christ Jesus that strengthens you. That's a promise. God himself sent Jesus to make you a part of the family. And all you have to do is believe and receive. Amen. I'm going to pray over the food and then I'm going to dismiss us to go eat lunch. And if you have any prayer requests or anything, I'll be down here at the front uh, afterwards. Father, we come to you in Jesus' name. We just thank you, dear Lord, for this season. We thank you, Father, in Jesus' name that you sent love to earth to completely and totally rewrite on our hearts the word of God, that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes on him shall not perish but have everlasting life. And Father, I just pray over each and every person that's in here. I thank you that this Christmas is the best Christmas that they've ever had. I thank you in, that, that in Jesus' name, if you believe it with me, can I get an amen for those that believe it? Amen. That this is going to be the best Christmas that we've ever had. And I just pray over each and every one of them that you're reconciling back family members, that you're bringing about opportunities for them to be able to have closeness with people that they've not had closeness with in, in years. And I just pray in Jesus' name that you are helping them to completely renovate their belief system that their heart that all the doubt that's in their heart that father that you are getting that doubt out of their heart and that you are replacing it with faith and we just thank you for it we pray over this food that we're about to receive in this time of fellowship we just ask this in jesus name we pray amen you're dismissed